Branch. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He's gone. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Cloudgate Sports Podcast. Got a lot of news to bring up to you guys. Got some Hawk stuff. Got some Bulls. And of course, we still got two first place Chicago baseball teams after last week's podcast. They've continued. The Cubs are tied in first place with the Brewers. But the Sox do still have a four game lead in the Central. Also, some Bears talk. We got Julio Jones finally traded. We'll get into that. And some just rough news on the Sox front with Nick Madrigal. We'll get into that as well. And once again this week, we're continuing our college baseball talk. It's going to be a great episode. So first, let's pass it down to Pat for Blackhawks. Yeah, um, only one major note on the Hawks this week, and I'll kind of close up this segment with that. Let's get into the current NHL playoffs. It's been a lot of fun. I, I, I throw it on every night, and I'm excited to watch it. So I'll start with Montreal. Go seven games against Toronto. They up there. They beat Toronto. They move on to round two. At that point, I'm like, okay. When Winnipeg handedly defeated the Oilers, I, I didn't think Montreal would stand a chance. Montreal says, nah. They sweep the Jets 4-0. They just looked really, really good. Now, I'm going to say it's They're going to get their ass whooped whoever they played in the second round. Or the next round, I should say. But the key talking point that come out of the series was the Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans in game one. Did you guys get a chance to see his hit? I did, actually, because, Pat, like, you know, I called you earlier about some hockey cards for the garage sale that I'm having tomorrow. I found one of his cards in the pile, looked him up, and I got to see the hit. and It was rough. It's it's not a clean hit. Okay. PT, PT, what do you have to say? I want to hear, I want to get your guys' opinion on this hit because it's a hot topic. A lot of people say it's yeah. dirty as hell, and some are like, it's hockey. So I want to get your guys' input on what you guys think of this hit. So, like, in, in my opinion, I think, like, this it is a hot topic right now. And I think I've kind of seen it from both ways. Um, but, like, every, like, when I go to answer it immediately, I'm like, well, it's the playoffs one. Um, so everyone's literally skating their ass off, and it's, it's – going to be physical um yes the play probably didn't need that hit um especially to leave your leave his skates is what the probably is what everyone is very angry about which i can understand leaving skates um kind of on that uh but also the young player too he's gotta he's gotta know that like hey this is the playoffs and like he's, he, he has his head down i know he's trying to like make sure the puck goes in the goal um but i don't know i i honestly i i'm so conflicted on this because i feel like you know the the guy that is going to make the hit is trying to obviously stop this goal from happening. Okay. Um, but him losing his skates obviously goes onto a different level and it's kind of started to turn the play into malicious. 
So yes, I can understand why people are angry about it. Um, but also I can kind of understand this man is, is, is in the playoffs. You're going to do everything to stop that goal. Um, so I can kind of see it from both sides. That's my opinion. Yeah, dude. I don't know. Um, the, the hit, I think the biggest problem was him leaving the skates. I agree with you, PT. That's always a big no, no, but in that situation, I think it was okay for the hit to happen. I don't really see how it could have went any other way. I mean, he was coming around the net. Coming in a weird angle. And, I mean, he would have scored 100% if the hit didn't happen. So, I don't know. Pat, Pat, what do you think? So, I, I just DM'd you guys on Twitter the hit again. I don't think he actually leaves his skates. I, mean, I, I think it's – so, here's here's the idea. Yeah, he's skating 200 feet. The dude's going fast as hell. He stops his strides right around the hash marks. Uh, so, in between the two circles. He stops his striding. At that point, he's just gliding through. It's a shoulder. He hits him. He leaves with a shoulder. I think the skates do stay on the ground. I uh, no, dude. His skates he's are. Not, he's not launching forward though. He's not like leaving his feet to jump into him. Yeah, his skates maybe go after the hits are the contact's already made, but he's not jumping into him. It's the way what I kind of see from it at least. But so a charging call, I think, is a hundred percent exceptional. He he. It is. I can see it. it's hundred percent charging. I have no issues with that at all. If you want to give him the game misconduct, I get that too. I think my at the end of the day, was the hit needed? No, it, it wasn't. He could have let up. I think my issue comes with the suspension. So let me rally back to Jake Evans, though. That's like his first his first uh, playoff game, if I remember hearing that correctly. It's his first playoff goal. You got to realize it's the playoffs, and it's the game one. You're trying to seal the game. It's 5-4, I think, in this, in this clip right now. It's only a one-point game. You're sealing the game with that no, that, that empty net. If you're – like, I didn't even – I never played hockey, but I know the number one rule is you need to have your head up at all times. You can't do a quick turn around the net to bury an empty net or to seal the game for you and have your head down. Now, I'm not saying you deserve to get hit, but at the end of the day, you got to realize what's coming your way and who you're playing with and the situation you're playing in. Let's go to the suspension. He received a four-game suspension for this hit. This is where my issue comes along. Is it If you wanted to suspend him, which I think he should have got suspended. I, I'm not saying that he shouldn't have. He should have. Maybe two games max. Agreed. Max. Because the issue there is he he's not a repeat offender. He's not no Tom Wilson. He's not no Brooks or pick. He's not a, he's not a dirty player. Um, you know, if it's Tom Wilson – you know, the way the fucking player safety works, he probably doesn't get suspended at all just because I, I can't stand the whole situation. But he gets four games for it. He can't – the question is he's their best player on, on Winnipeg, and you lose your star player to that. That's where my issue rises from it being a four-game suspension. I, maybe one or two seems acceptable to me. It, it's it's a shitty situation. Like, he's not a repeat offender where they got four. And here's the thing, too. If, if, that, if Jake Evans gets up right then and there, he pops right back up, no injury at all. A charging call is probably going to be made, rightfully so. Doesn't, he doesn't get fucking suspended. The injury makes it so much worse. And, again, I'm not justifying the hit. I do think it was dirty to an extent. It's definitely charging and definitely suspension-worthy. But if he doesn't get hurt, if there's no stretcher that comes out on the ice, nobody cares. Like, it's, it's a charging penalty and that's it. So, regardless, Mark Shively's on the ice or not, I the way Montreal's been playing, I think this, they win the series regardless. Shively's on the ice, maybe it's not a 4-0 sweep. But that's a pretty detrimental hit to their team and not having their star player for the entire series and you get swept in four. Now, again, 
jumping into the next the next couple set of teams, they would play the winner of Colorado and Vegas. No shot they're beating Winnipeg or Montreal. Nobody, they're not beating these teams. I'll say this: Colorado is my team to win the cup. The fact that they're down three two is shocking to me. I like what do we pulled up yesterday? And I'm like, holy shit, Vegas is up three to two in the series. I kind of just put it to the wayside. I was focused way more on the, the Boston series. This one is going to be fun, and I'm hoping it's Colorado because the way I'm picturing everything to plan out, it's going to be Colorado and Tampa in the Stanley Cup, and it's going to be way more fun if it's Colorado and Tampa and not Colorado and Vegas. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But um, let's go into the Lightning. The Lightning handle the Canes 4-1. to one. Lightning is fucking disgusting, dude. Oh, my God, they're so good. And, again, they played the little trick with the salary cap and the long-term IR, just like the Hawks in 2015. They're, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. So Lightning will play the winners. So Lightning will face up with the uh, the Islanders in the uh, conference or the conference finals. And now we're waiting to see what the other side is. Um, so let's kind of wrap it up with the Islanders and the Bruins. This series is, I mean, you guys know, PT's right there with me, Brandy right there. But we fucking hate Boston. 100%. Can't stand them. This series, I watch every game start to finish. I had the main game up on my one TV. I had the Barcelona stream up on the other TV. It was an all-around great series. Now, Boston's very good. That top line is, is, is scary as all hell to see. But seeing the Islanders win was so sweet. And I'll say this, too, with the Barcelona streams. The serotonin that coursed through my veins when I saw the Islanders win and Frankie's there hugging his dad. Like, it puts the biggest smile on your face. Whether you're a Boston fan or not, Feidelberg said it today on the rundown. He's happy that Mr. Borelli gets to witness this. It's absolutely iconic. It's been an awesome fucking series. Now, again, they're going to get absolutely shit on by the Lightning in the next round. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But the series, that, that's that been by far, and I don't it, I don't think any, anything's going to top it this year. It's been the best series, of the best playoff series this, this entire Stanley Cup playoff so far. What did you guys have on Either any of the series or specifically the Boston. Um, Especially the Boston and New York series was just, you were right. There's nothing going to be better than that for the rest of the year uh, or that has been up to this point. That was awesome. I think the Barstool hype definitely made it more of what it was. Uh, but, yeah, it was awesome to see. Hate Boston. Great to see the Islanders win the series. But, yeah, they – it's going to be a rough next series against the Lightning, who, like you said, Pat, is just clicking at all cylinders. Something I think that we touched on last episode, too, that's just going to absolutely fuck um, Montreal is just that they have no fans. When they go play either Colorado or Vegas, they're absolutely screwed. Um, and I just, like, I, I was watching recaps, or, like, uh, I think it was between Boston Islanders game where they, like, shifted out to that game. And the seats are just, like, covered in those, like, uh, tablecloths i'm like it's just just like it's so like demoralizing to see that and then you go back to the coliseum or uh msg and it's just crazy um so it's just it's going to be very tough for those canadian uh players to kind of adjust it's going to be an absolutely crazy atmosphere when they come and play um either vegas or colorado um so it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of adjust to that when they go on the road and then obviously you guys know how big of bars we all big bar still fans um that whole thing was absolutely incredible to watch. Um, the fact that Borelli's uh, was saved by Barstool, by Dave, um, and it kind of all goes back in full circle watching just Mr. Borelli be so happy. And, and you just kind of heard stories throughout the streams as well. 
um, talking about how Mr. Borelli used to drop off Frankie at the games and go back and work uh, at, at Borelli's. And I actually bought a Borelli's t-shirt. It's, it's the one where all the fans are on, on Borelli's. It's so cool. Um, but it's just great. It's great. It just makes hockey even better, um, especially like when your favorite news outlets does something like that as well. Um, it, it makes the, one of the best uh, playoff series in sports even better. So I, I'm more excited to watch these games kind of unfold and we'll see what kind of happens from there. Yeah, I agree. And it, like I said, the serotonin that came from seeing the Browies be so happy and all that good stuff. Like it, it reminds me of like celebrating with my dad when the Hawks were in a, a they won three in six years. Like it's stuff you'll never forget. And the fact they did it against Boston makes it so much sweeter. Um, so let's kind of wrap it up with one recent note from the Blackhawks. Blackhawks do sign their first round pick, uh, 17th overall pick in the 2020 draft, Lucas Reichel, to an entry level deal. Three years, 925000 for a cap hit. Uh, I like this guy a lot. I was very excited when we drafted him. Um, he's coming over from he's, he's coming over from the uh, the German league, the Ice Baron. Um, he scored two goals and three assists in nine postseason games to help the Ice Baron win the German league. And then in the IIHF World Championship, which just concluded last week, um, he scored two goals and four assists in nine games there. Um I like him a lot. He's about, I think he's like 6'1", 6'2", like 170, some shit like that. Um, he's a centerman. He's going to make a, he's gonna make a good am, impact on this team. Um, I'm excited to see where he falls, and I'm excited to see him develop because, I, like I said, when we drafted him, I, I absolutely loved it, um, and I'm excited to see what happens with him. And then actually another note just popped in my head, the, the, draft, or the lottery did happen for the NHL, and the Hawks have the 12th pick. Again, this draft really isn't anything special. There isn't like a Connor McDavid, a Taylor Hall. There's none of those guys in this year's draft. So honestly, I think uh, Rangers get the first pick. I can't remember who got the first pick. A lot, I, I, there's going to be a lot of trading around. I, not a lot of teams, I don't actually think, want the first pick. They're going to try to get some draft cap a lot of it. Um, but that's kind of what I have for the Hawks. You guys, anything, guys got anything to wrap it up? Unbelievable. So. Like I said, um, kind of just to bounce off this too, if you, if you guys don't, this is nothing to do with hockey, if you guys don't follow Stu Finer on on uh, Twitter, you guys are missing out. This might be the best social media um, face you'll ever see. He kind of does stuff in and out for Barstool. He does his own betting stuff. Um, he is an absolute hoot, and he will definitely make your day every single day when he tweets. Uh, so go on Twitter and find Stu Finer. He, he definitely will make your day for sure. Yeah, he's been a huge asset for those those live streams. That's a fact. He's he's a class act. So let's dive into the NBA. The hey, we have one note for the Bulls, and it's not a positive one. Uh, Colby White underwent successful surgery on his left shoulder today to repair damage from an injury sustained this past weekend while engaged in basketball activities away from the team. He'll be reevaluated in four months. Not what you want to hear. Again, we're going to see how the, the pants out. I think a lot of a lot of people are expecting the Bulls to be shopping for a point guard this offseason. We're going to have to wait and see. But I saw the Bulls come across my timeline, and it was not what I wanted to see come across my timeline. So let's move into the awards for this year, as well as the uh, the, the NBA playoffs currently. Nikola Jokic uh, is the this year's MVP. The dude's has been all-around beast this year. I mean, he's played every game. Um 
he, he's he's an all round player. He gets triple doubles. He's good on offense. He's good on defense. Good, happy to see that for him. Uh, Go Bear for oh shit, is he Denver? No, he's not Denver. He's in Jazz. He's Utah. Uh, he wants he's a defensive player of the year again. One of those guys you just don't want to fuck with in the paint. He's an all round great defender. Uh, in the MVP voting, Derrick Rose had one vote for MVP. Um, I don't understand how the MVP voting actually works. It was a fan vote, uh, which is kind of weird. I don't, again, I'm not sure what it is, but hey, I'm happy people are respecting Derrick Rose and what he's done this year, and that whole Knicks team in general. Whether you like the Knicks or not, you got to kind of have to tip your hat because they weren't supposed to get to where they were, and that's all because of Tom Thibodeau, um, who did win the Coach of the Year by rallying that team to make their playoff the first playoff appearance in a long time, even though they did get uh, whooped on by the Atlanta Hawks in the first round. So, moving into the playoffs, the Suns are up 2-0 on Denver. The Suns are fucking rolling, boys. Um, I mean, I watched every game for that series against Clipper, the Lakers as I want to see LeBron lose. And Devin Booker's clicking on all cylinders. DeAndre Jayden's working well. Chris Paul's playing that role position that he's always been good at doing. I didn't think they were going to be up 2-0 on Denver right now. I mean, when I'm looking at bets, I, they're favored like minus 200 I've been seeing, which I would have never expected. Now this uh, Denver team is without Jamal Murray, so keep that in mind, but not what I expected. Moving to the next, uh, next series over in the Western Conference, the Clippers did beat the Dallas Mavericks in seven games, which is not what I want to see. Um, I want to see Dallas move on. And Chris Taps is already pitching up a storm about how he doesn't like being the under, being the shadow behind Luka Doncic. Well, you can go pound sand because Luka's their main guy. He's he's a phenomenal player, and they don't give two shits what Chris Taps has to say about anything. Utah is currently up 1-0 on the Clippers in that series. Um, Atlanta is tied 1-1 against Philly. That's going to be a fun series to watch. There's a lot of shit talk. Uh, whether you like Trey Young or not, you got to acknowledge what the fuck he's doing. He's pissing fans off like he's supposed to do. He's kind of be developing that villain type player role where he's able to back it up on the court. He's able to drop 30 points. He's able to piss off some fans. He's doing exactly what he's got to do. And that's meshes well with Philly because Philly's got a toxic ass fan base and MB doesn't take shit either. So that's going to be a fun series to watch. And then lastly, the Brooklyn series. I mean, you're telling me that the the Nets are going to beat um, the Bucks by 50 points in game one. I would have never fucking guessed that. I wonder what I wonder what the spread was for Brooklyn in that in that game because he would hammer that shit. Um, I'm surprised that they're. I mean, again, when you look at when you look at the Bucks, though, I mean, you got Giannis and you and you that's about it. You got Chris Middleton who's doing a good job as a role player, but you know it's nothing to compete against somebody like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. So that might look like a sweep right there, which would be shocking for Giannis to go out. I know, I'm pretty sure he did just re-sign a, a contract with them, so he's going to want somebody to help out. Like He desperately needs somebody to come in there and be his, be the Robin to his Batman. That being said, Harden did uh, fuck up his hamstring, and uh, he might be missing some fights some time, which, honestly, though, when you're that deep of a team, you have all those players, yeah, it's going to suck losing Harden, but guess what? Durant and Kyrie can easily fill the void there and score as many points, whether Harden's there or not, so... Um, do we have any any comments on the NBA playoffs before I close up with my last point here? The, the I want to talk about Colby White for a second before we move on. Um, this injury couldn't have come at a worse time for him personally, uh, especially with where he's at with the Bulls. Uh, kind of right now being that guy off the bench, he hasn't been starting. 
I think his injury also really solidifies that the Bulls will be trying to look for a point guard uh, at some point this offseason, whether that be one of their main targets or if they're going to look at other positions first. Uh, but yeah, him possibly being out for the start of the season is not good for him and for his future with the Bulls and also just not good for the Bulls because he's another solid guy to have off the bench or if he would end up starting at that point, uh, who knows, but uh, really tough to see him go down with where he's at with his status with the Bulls. Uh, and then lastly with the playoffs, uh Phoenix is surprising the shit out of me as well. I didn't think that they'd be up 2-0 on Denver either. Uh, making it look pretty easy, seeing what they'll do for these next couple of games, see if they can add on to their lead. And also Brooklyn being up 2-0. Uh, didn't see that against the Bucks at all. Uh, very surprising. I, I wouldn't count the Bucks out just yet. Uh, other than the Sun series, it's going to be tough for Denver to come back on this, uh, especially, like you said, without Jamal Murray. But Brooklyn being up 2-0 on the Bucks, it's going to be an interesting rest of the series. But uh, for now, I still think Brooklyn's got the edge. But, yeah, PT, what else do you got? I guess it just kind of explains why Kobe White just took a dive off the deep end towards the end of the season with his performance. I mean, um, obviously we were, we were questioning what was going on. Was he not good? Um, and obviously this injury definitely affected his playing abilities. Um, it, it's never good to kind of see someone that you thought was going to be able to good ass on your team to kind of be one injured um, and two kind of just be that guy that's like, ah, this he's probably not going to pan out to what we want him to be. Uh, so that's definitely going to be something we're, we're probably going to have to look to improve, unfortunately, um, being that his playing abilities aren't that good or that he's not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. So, Keep an eye out for that. Um, and also, I've, I, I, this is the craziest thing. I don't know why. I, I really don't watch too much NBA, okay? Uh, but I was watching a little bit of the Bucks and Nets game uh, this this afternoon or whatever, right before we started this. And it, it blows my mind that they play music while they're playing. Is it that bad of, like, is it is it that non-entertaining that they have to play music during the thing. I just don't understand. I just don't get it. it. It makes no sense to me. I've never seen a sport ever do that where they play music during a game. I feel like that just happened, like, recently. Like, they've been recently, like, including that in. And I agree. I, I Whenever, like, I played basketball in grammar school, like, I would – I can't – like, I can't – I'm pretty dumb. I can't fucking think straight. Like, I need to be focused on yeah. the game. And I can't have, like, some music going on where I can be singing to – and then, boom, something blows right past me. I agree. I understand, like, the accordion shit that they do and, and all and baseball, NHL, whatever the fuck you want to call it, all that stuff. But, like, an actual, like, you're playing Drake or, or some sort of music, like, I don't get that at all. I'm right there with you. I I, know, I personally don't like it, but I don't know. Yeah, just, I don't like it either at all. It, it's, like, it's it's during the game, it's, like, a full playlist. Like, it's, it's, it's the game actually not that entertaining enough that you have to actually add music to it. Like, I don't know. Um, I've never really been a big NBA guy. The Bulls are actually starting to pull me in, uh, which which is good. So I'm glad that that is happening. But um, it just blows me. I think it was kind of a COVID thing. I think that really started to happen in the bubble. Um, with no fans there, I think they tried to add some more commotion with music. But I guess it's stuck, and I guess they like it. But personally, I don't. I think it's kind of stupid. But, yeah, that, that, that ends it for my NBA talk. Well, I think I might draw you both back in with this last segment I heard last uh, talk one I have here. I will start out with this. Um, if you haven't seen the latest edition of Sports Illustrated, it is uh, covered by the FaZe Clan, which is pretty cool because you have 
LeBron, obviously being on sports has illustrated a handful of times. You have a son, Bronny, who's a part of Phase uh, making as well, along with Nick Merckx, Kyle Murray, um, Phase Rug, and Phase Temper, and I think Swag's in there as well. Pretty cool thing to go see. Uh, LeBron did share it on his like, main Instagram feed. It's pretty dope. Um, but let's kind of go into this last portion. So LeBron has been on the hot seat the way he kind of ended these last two games um, with the Lakers, where he's leaving the court with five minutes left. He's not shaking hands, all that stuff. And a lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, Michael wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Like, at the, at the end of the day, I'm so over the Michael and, and LeBron shit. Like, with those two games where you're walking off the court, yeah, I understand you're in Phoenix. You got to go get your treatment or whatever. I, I get that. But at the end of the day, you're down however however many, and you're leaving the court with five minutes left. That's a big fuck you to your teammates. We all know Michael wouldn't do that shit. I let that speak for itself. I'm not even going to deal with any of the trolls on Twitter. Regardless, LeBron, the Lakers got taken out by the Suns in round one. LeBron has come out and said that he is changing numbers from 23s on back to six, so back to his time in Miami. I think this is just a ploy. He could have easily announced this uh, in a couple months after the season's over. But, you know, the Lakers are out. He needs some sort of attention. So he's going to go change his number back to 23 or back to six. I don't really give a fuck. But this is the funniest thing I think I've heard in a long time. So they lose, and I'm pretty sure they lost in L.A.? I don't know. So it's, it's late as fuck. It's like 2 or 1 in the morning when he's doing his presser in, in Central Time, at least. And the big question is, obviously, the Summer Olympics didn't happen last year, so it's happening this year. And it's Summer Olympics, so there's going to be basketball. And like, well, Bron, are you gonna play? Are you gonna play for the US, team USA in the Olympics this year? And if if he if he would have said no because of COVID concerns, I, it's a valid it's a valid reason not to go. I, I'm totally cool with that. If you're like, you know what, I don't really face, feel safe doing it. I don't know what the Olympics has in plan to kind of protect the people. I don't know. So if if you're his, if he said I don't plan on doing it because of COVID, I respect that. I have no issue that at all. But him saying that he will be taking his talents to the Tune Squad. That wasn't the right answer. No. It wasn't. It was. It got a little bit of a chuckle at first, but I'm like, that was so fucking stupid for you to say. Like, what? Especially so, for yeah. how, like, popular of a person LeBron James is. For him to be clowning around like that after you just got eliminated from the playoffs. Like, I know I, I don't want to get into the Michael versus LeBron shit either, but him leaving the bench early, Michael would never do that. And after getting eliminated from the playoffs, talking about being in Space Jam, Michael definitely would not have done that. Especially, what, 10, 20 minutes after you just lost said game? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's brutal. Mike, Michael would be so pissed. He, he would be, he'd be go shoot, he'd be, he'd go in the other practice gym and be throwing up shots. Like, I don't know, I think we're all kind of the same page with this discussion. Um, and I think we all don't want to get into it at all because it, it's kind of stupid and pointless. Uh, but it's it, it just kind of it, – it's it's crazy because I think that it's been such a heavily discussed topic since we were in middle school. Um, and now it's, it's just kind of, like, interesting to see kind of, like, how he's kind of – it's these reactions are definitely being a lot – like, kind of being more noticed, I would say. Um, would be the, the proper term because there are some things that are very concerning that you never see um, a lot of people do, uh, especially when you're looking at your your best player, your captain, your leader, face of the basketball. Um, I, I think it was very disturbing to see him walk off the court uh, with time still remaining and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, I don't like to get in this conversation. You, we all, we, I don't think any of us do, but um, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see, I, I guess we all can say. Yeah, so Ron will not be wearing Team USA jersey this year. He'll be wearing a Toon Squad jersey. Um, the movie, just from our childhood, the movie will not even be close to being as good as it was when we were little, um, and we all know that. But, I mean, hey, dude, you're going to go make some money doing it. I got no issue with that. I mean, but. we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna see it though. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, so I'm saying he, he. At the end of the day, he's gonna make a fuck ton of money off this movie, and I, I, I really don't care that he's going to do that over the Olympics. It doesn't bother me at all. It's just the idea of like you just got your ass whooped by the Phoenix Suns, and you're talking about the movie. You're talking about it right at like at the end. A lot of people do like at the NFL season. Like they talk to Drew Brees. Like Drew, are you gonna retire after you just got eliminated from the playoffs? I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out and, and you know talk to my family and you know we'll see what what, what happens. Not, hey, I'm gonna go with uh, Bugs Bunny and yeah, uh, like, we're gonna go make LeBron, the PR 101, and we're gonna get into PR 101. I'm stealing that part of my take. We're gonna get into it uh, in a little bit with um, in in the MLB segment, um, but just know your answer that that's probably not the right answer to say. Um, so that's kind of what I got from the NBA. Uh, and we can kick it over to PT and the Bears. Leary got a hit, by the way, right, so there you go, there you Pat. Go. Oh, uh, yeah, keep talking <laughs> shit. Keep talking shit. <laughs> All right, we'll move over uh, to the Bears and the NFL. Um, OTAs, mandatory OTAs just kind of wrapped up. Uh, today, I believe, was the final day. Um, so a lot of kind of stuff has been kind of unfolding in the NFL. Uh, so we got kind of a lot of different topics to touch on. Uh, before we get to the Bears, we'll talk kind of about the most – craziest thing I think that we've kind of seen in a long time. Uh, we knew that Julio Jones was probably going to be on the move at some point. Um, and I remember I was at my game on Sunday, I believe, or no, Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. It was one of those days this weekend. Um, and I looked at my phone and I saw that Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans. Um, really didn't think about what they gave up for him. I was like, that's crazy. I knew that he was going to be on the move. Um, but he, it ended up coming out that he was Traded for a second-round pick. Now, that is absolutely absurd um, because he's considered one of the best wide receivers in the game. Um, just his productivity, his length, his skills, everything with it is just, in my opinion, a first-round pick 100%. It just kind of shows you we've seen a lot of players now uh, being traded with DeAndre Hopkins and a lot of other wide receivers recently being traded kind of for lower stock, especially when we were talking about quarterbacks. Uh, it was insane to kind of the, these picks we were throwing out for quarterbacks and then now these wide receivers. Leo Jones, the best pick that they got was a second round pick. Like, that's absolutely insane. Um, and honestly, I, I think that we'll talk about it here in a little bit too when we circle back to, to our friends up north. Um, but it blows my mind. I think Tennessee absolutely robbed the Falcons. I know Falcons fans are pissed. 100%. 100%. Off. Uh, but yeah, you guys go ahead and touch on it real quick. Yeah, I mean, with this Julio Jones trade, I mean, what a fuck-up by the Falcons. Like, what – not only is it bad for the Falcons, but these trades just continue to get worse and worse for these big-time players. You would expect at least, like you said, PT, a first-round pick, uh, a pl- an impact player for one of the best wide receivers in the game. You get a second-round pick. That's terrible. Like, it, it just – for the future of trades, it just continues to go downhill for teams that... I mean, if you think about it, if we traded Allen Robinson, what would he get us? A fourth-round pick? Yeah, it, it would be very... It, it, we'd be lucky if we get a second-round pick, I guess, if we're looking at this now, because 
Um, he, uh, yeah, we could compare him. He's just, he's probably as good as Julio Jones. Um, but I mean, he doesn't have the name like Julio Jones, though. Also, exactly, he does not. So it just it. The future of trades is looking very rough, especially after we saw the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which was probably the biggest wide receiver trade before this one. And now this, just two terrible trades for the teams losing their big star players. I mean, I, I yeah, I, at the end of the day, Julio is getting old. There's no fact about it. There's no, we can't discard, disagree, disagree with that. But still, he's that good where he is worth a, a number one pick. Or, a, excuse me, a first-round pick. Now, I feel like I've heard, so their, their biggest thing was they were open to trading him, but they were going to do everything they possibly could have to not trade him to another NFC team. They trade him to the AFC. But I feel like I saw shit on, now this is from Twitter, so it's not, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I feel like I saw that people, there were NFC teams that were actually offering up a first-round pick for, De, or for Julio Jones. And they push him to the AFC, and they get a second. I just looked it up. It's the Falcons sent Julio Jones and a 2023 six-round pick in exchange for a 2022 second-rounder and a fourth in 2023. So they so, gave away Julio Jones and a pick for that? Uh, that's a six-round pick, though. That's but still yeah. a pick? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I get it. But now that I'm kind of reading into this here, they – were not they were in a bad spot for cap before this trade. Now they have over fifteen million in cap space after dealing with letting go Julio Jones. So it could have been one of those things where like you know the the buyer, the Titans knew how fucked they were in terms of cap space and they're like, listen, if you don't trade them, you guys are gonna fuck yourselves over for signing your draft class, which we're gonna get into in a little bit with our Bears. That you need to trade them, so this is what you're gonna get. So it, it is weird to see how it played out. I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to have a lot more fun. Uh, Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. He's going to have a lot more fun with uh, it's Tannehill, and you got you, know, you have a, a Derrick Henry. You have a very solid core wide receiver group there. Offense can be scary. If Tannehill actually can play well, it's going to be a good offense. Um, their defense is the, the issue, the, the sketchy part there. But, I mean, hey, hats off to the Titans, man. They're making money moves, and they don't really give up too much. It, it, it was kind of shocking to me, too, but you got to look at it from a business standpoint, too, where Cass playing that big of a role, you guys got to sign your, your, your draft class, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I, I think that's when you look at this whole thing kind of unfolding, um, it's you're going to look at this offense. This offense, everyone is saying is going to be unstoppable. Uh, you, you look at Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, um, and now Julio Jones is thrown into this as well. Uh, so defenses are going to – it's going to be a nightmare matchup for defenses. Try to stop this offense. So they're going to be a fun team to watch next season. Um, and moving on to our next news, kind of in the NFL, kind of smaller, um, but more kind of home to our Chicago Bears fans. Um, unfortunately, a tweet came across Twitter uh, this morning from Kyle Long saying that um, he tried everything in his power um, – to get ready for this year. Um, and I kind of thought he was retiring at first, but then it kind of circled around. He really didn't say the tweet was kind of weird. Um, it was just talking about how disappointed he was. Um, and he, uh, and eventually I believe he, he was injured in OTAs. I believe um, there was never really a tweet saying that he, he was injured, uh, but it sounded like he tried everything he could to get back. And when he does become healthy again, that he, he will try to play again for the chiefs. Um, 
Cal was signed this offseason as a free agent for the Chiefs, um, trying to hope to kind of rebuild that offensive line that they kind of try to make shift after the offseason. So I think all of us from Cloud Gate Sports and Chicago Bears fans, we wish you a quick recovery because we know that you love to be on that field um, and kind of just giving people help. So with that being said, we'll move into the Bears kind of part here. So there's kind of a lot of different things. So I think we'll just we, – we, we've been talking about this whole new thing now since we drafted Justin, uh, the Justin Fields effect. Uh, I've seen multiple quotes and just all these beat, beat writers. So it's funny because when you go on Twitter – usually see these people kind of critiquing the Bears and all this stuff that kind of goes negative during the camps. Um, there was an article written saying how positive beat writers were towards Justin Fields and how how high they were towards them. Uh, so that's always a good thing when you see articles talking about people that are normally negative to things are being positive. So Justin Fields' effect is in full, full effect right now. Um, there was a quote from Darnell Mooney. Uh, who's becoming a quick star on this team. Uh, he performed unreal last year, and now is kind of becoming, um, you know, last year he was kind of behind the scenes, kind of quieter. I think now he's becoming obviously a lot more. He's talking to the pressers a lot more. Um, and he said that the first deep ball he got from Justin Fields, he, he was smiling mid-route because the ball, he knew the ball was thrown perfectly. So the Justin Fields effect is in full motion, boys. And I couldn't be more happy about that. And I think that brings us to our next thing. The discussion is still on, even though we've heard multiple reports that Andy Dalton will be the starter week one, no matter what. Um, I don't know if you guys listened to the Red Line Radio episode that dropped this morning uh, with Jay Cutler, saying that the Bears should start Andy Dalton week one, and I'm kind of on that page as well. Um, and we can kind of get into that talk a little bit here. Um, but a lot of people are saying that Justin Fields should start right away, and a lot of people are not. It's kind of a split decision. I think there's a lot of different opinions out there. Um, and they're also, I think, really good to look into as well. Uh, but with Justin Fields kind of progressing at a much more faster rate than I think a lot of people expected to, even though he had a lot of hype around his name already, um, it, it's it, Andy Dalton's not really kind of putting up a good case for himself either. He threw a bunch of uh, – there was a quote from someone saying, like, even Andy Dalton's bad in 7-on-7. He had, like, three picks in 7-on-7. So, that being said, boys, how are you feeling about OTAs, Justin Fields, Everyone's kind of the, the Justin Fields effect is kind of now in full motion. It's over now. Uh, so now we'll just be waiting a couple of weeks until summer camp rolls around, but we'll see what he kind of brings there. Yeah, dude. Uh, Justin Fields, I mean, right now, even though he's had a great uh, OTA, I agree that Dalton should still be the starting quarterback for at least the first two games, and then we'll reevaluate and see if Fields is really ready. I think it would be very tough, uh, even though I know that he seems very confident and mature as a starting quarterback. It's still rough to throw a rookie out right first week. Uh, could be tough for him, could be tough for the team. Let's have Dalton play the first couple, see how it goes, and then reevaluate. And Justin Fields might be the guy then, but until then, Dalton should start the first couple games. Yeah, Dalton's going to get the nod, and I, I think a lot of it actually has to deal with the idea that they promised him the starting position. Um, I mean, that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do, but if you were like, what team is going to promise somebody a starting position, I would have fucking insta-locked the Bears. Um, yeah, so I think a lot of it actually falls on that. They, they promised him a starting job, and he had to kind of follow through with the promise. Because um, if you don't, then... It's not going to be a good destination for free agents if they're, you know, you're, you have 
higher ups in management not keeping promises to players. So uh, I do think Fields will get he will start at some point in his first season. If if Dalton's playing as bad as he is and right now in OTAs, I think that might come quick. Listen, from what I'm hearing, he's Just Fields is locked in. He knows exactly what he needs to do. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I, he's not going to start. He's not going to start game one. I don't. I don't see that happening at all. That that's an interesting thing that you brought up there, Pat. Is that Andy Dalton was promised something? That's bullshit. I'm sorry, but Jay Keller kind of touched about this in the podcast as well. Um, this is the podcast is actually really good because he talks about kind of his his years with the different coaches and stuff. Um, and Jay Cutler was talking about Mark Tressman, uh, uh, talking about how like he wanted to kind of have everybody be a better person. And these people do not care. They want to win. These players want to come in and they want to win and they want to be, you, you earn your spot. Um, so I think that's, and I'm worried about that because let's be honest here. Like Andy Dalton, man, this, this guy, this guy, I don't want to talk bad about him. I, I know he's a good guy. I was a big guy, big fan of him when he was at TCU. Uh, but it seems like, especially when we're trying to keep people like Allen Robinson, we, we almost want it. Why are we, why are we making people like Andy Dalton happy when we really need to focus on people like Allen Robinson um, and other key players, Darnell Mooney, um, Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, people that actually are going to be directly affected by this. Um, so I think I think that, like we said, it's Andy Dalton's going to get the nod week one, um, no matter what. I don't. He he can literally probably throw a hundred picks um, in in all this stuff leading up to one, um, and and it's just going to happen, unfortunately. But I think it's also going to be good for Justin. Justin needs to sit behind somebody and understand and learn. He needs to see stuff unfold. Um, I've never been a big guy of throwing people in the fire right away, no matter how good they are, because we don't know what's going to happen to them, and we don't know how they're going to react, no matter how good and how experienced they are. So that being said, I think, and, and this is another part I want to bring in, I think it's way too early to talk about this stuff, too. All I see in the morning is, who's going to start week one? We just finished OTAs. We're not even in summer yet, okay? In the summer mini camps. So with that being said, I kind of want to even shut this talk down um, I think we kind of got our words about it. We know how everyone feels about it. I think we all are on the same page with that. Um, but we'll talk about Justin, too. He just signed his rookie deal, and I actually couldn't be more happy about this because we had some issues in rookie contracts in the past with our first-rounders. Roquan Smith took forever. I think it was close to a month uh, before the season started, before he signed his. Justin Fields signed his amazing, uh, pretty quickly, uh, four years, uh, close to $19 million. And he had an $11 million signing bonus, so good for him. And he's going to make an absolute ton of money um, off ad deals on the side. Because Chicago, he's going to be in every single ad in Chicago. So Chicago fans, be ready to see Justin on your TVs every single day of every single hour. Um, but just to kind of compare some things, I think we kind of got to steal with this rookie deal. Uh, Devontae Smith, $20 million. That's a wide receiver. And we're talking about wide receiver value in the NFL right now. Second-round pick, that's kind of steep. And all these contracts are fully guaranteed, which is kind of something we haven't seen in the past. Um, this whole new kind of fully guaranteed is kind of surprising uh, because there's usually a lot of incentives in it, especially for rookies. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that as well because that's definitely something we haven't seen in the past. And then we'll also move on. Uh, Micah Parsons, a linebacker uh, for the Cowboys, $17 million. And then Penny Swell, who uh, is the lineman that the Lions drafted, $24 million. So Fields is kind of sitting towards the end of the the bottom of the pack 
value-wise. So I couldn't be more happy with the contract. Um, I'm happy he signed it right away because that's always a good sign. Um, and this this whole thing about Justin Fields is making me so much happier. Um, I think we're going to get so much value out of him, and we'll and we'll continue to talk about what we think about starting wise um, as we move on closer to, to the season. We're we're still a long way out, um, and a lot of things don't unfold, but we're we're taking steps, and I couldn't be more happy to kind of have Justin Fields in our organization. Good. Well, yeah. So okay, then well, I think we need to touch on if you guys are good on Justin Fields right now in his contract. I think we need to talk about. One more thing. I know we said we didn't want to talk about it last podcast, uh, but it's this topic has been literally talked about by everyone, and I think we need to talk about it. So Aaron Rodgers did not show up for mandatory OTAs. He was fined about 100k for that, and there is a lot of stuff circulating up there that he's not going to be showing up. Um, James Jones went on a media outlet show um, talking about how it's not the GM; it's more uh, there's more things behind what we're not seeing, which is the Bears fans good. Um, and it also kind of affects what else we're going to be seeing. So Jordan Love, um, he's kind of has roller coaster emotions so far in OTAs. I know the first day he had some interceptions and overthrows, and he had a good day, and then he had another bad day. So I think this, the influxion is kind of – I think they're kind of in shambles up there. Um, and we can this will be the last time we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I legitimately think – now, I, I know I said this last on the last pod last week. I think he's going to be playing week one. I think my whole thing's been flipped. The fact that he's being talked about this much, and it's literally it's, – it's funny because it's Aaron Rodgers and Justin Fields. And all I see on Get Up and, and every ESPN show is it's about these two people, um, which is great in every single aspect for us. Um, but I think that Aaron Rodgers is 75% of that Green Bay. Um, and I couldn't be more excited about that. Uh, a lot of people are actually have a lot of trust in Jordan Love. I, well, there's one more thing I'll talk about when we get to the NFL. Um, and I know you guys have kind of already touched on Aaron Rodgers not being there. Uh, but has your guys' kind of mood shifted at all like mine has, seeing that all this news has come out, especially with mandatory minicamps, he has not shown up? Yeah, so I would say last week I was at like a 10% chance that Aaron Rodgers gets traded. Now I'm at a 49.9% chance that he's get he's gone. I'm not going to get over that 50% yet because that would mean that I would be leaning more towards him not being there in the fall. But I, I'm still a hunt like I'm still mentally prepared that Rodgers is going to be up north to start the season. But it, it would be awesome to see him leave because, like you said, Jordan Love has been very inconsistent for uh, Green Bay these last couple of years. Uh, and then now in OTAs where it really is his first chance at being that number one quarterback. Uh, if Rodgers does leave, uh, it wouldn't. it's not looking good for Green Bay if he ends up being the number one guy. I still think he's a Packer. I really do. I, I, I feel like this is not like an uncommon thing where – yeah, players hold out and end up fucking playing their their season. I mean, as long as he's still on the team, I think he's going to be playing week one. Um, I don't really see them being traded. Yeah, I think Brandon said it best. Like mentally, I'm like, I'm expecting Aaron Rodgers to be up there, but just logically and realistically too, I think he's still going to be there week one. Um, I just can't see him being traded right now. I don't know. I don't know. Again, it's 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 OTAs. Like it's a long way to go. This is the first time we've had players hold out like this before. 
let's see where it plays out, but I think he's still going to be there for a while. Yeah, so I think we can kind of hop into this, like, overreaction segment I have for the NFL, too. Um, this, this, this might be an overreaction, kind of being stimulated by all these, these media, social media outlets and media outlets saying that he's, he, this is a big deal. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe we don't know. Um, but a couple other um, overreactions I kind of rolled my eyes at over the couple of weeks, especially with this last week of OTAs. Um, people are already saying that Trevor Lawrence, uh, it's so funny um, that you can be so good and people are so focused on the little things that you do. Um, he had a couple He had a couple of interceptions in his first uh, mandatory minicamp. Well, guess what? It's going to happen. He's young. Um, that's the one thing I'm kind of worried about. Justin Fields kind of being thrown right into the fire, okay? Um, it, yeah, he's going to be fine. He's, I promise you guys, Trevor Lawrence, if we have any Jags fans listening, he's going to be fine. Um, I think that was a big overreaction. People were freaking out, I know, all over Twitter. I was like, all right, relax. Um, but he also has had some hamstring tightness, which is you never want to see um, injuries happen like that, especially players to that capacity. And then the Jordan Love kind of overreaction, I think people were kind of freaking out about um, his inconsistency. I, I think it's all kind of crazy up there right now, and he's kind of being thrown to the fire as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of how those two younger players react. Um, and I, that's all I really have for the NFL. Uh, boys, I think we're good, and I think we'll have some more Bears stuff coming on in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so now we'll be going on to the baseball side of things. A lot of exciting news to talk about and some very sad news. Before we get into the bad, sad news for the White Sox, Let's start off with the positives. Uh, since we recorded last, the White Sox won three of four from Detroit. Again, just games that we need to win this season are going to be the games against Detroit, Kansas City, and with how bad Minnesota's been, throw them into the pile too. We have to win those series every single time we play these guys. Uh, now it's uh, we're moved on to the Blue Jays, who have been a very solid team this season uh one of the best teams in the american league right alongside the white Sox. so this is a big series for us uh right now we're split one and one in the series we are currently winning three to one in the fifth uh i know keichel has looked very good gave up a couple dribblers in the uh fourth inning uh leading to a run with uh former white Sox shortstop marcus simeon driving in that run who has been red hot this past month for the Blue Jays. And last year we saw it as well with the Oakland A's. He has been turning into a very solid baseball player. But no need to fret. We've got a four-game lead in the Central still to this point. I know yesterday was a rough game. And the biggest reason that it was so rough is that Nick Madrigal is out for the season. Uh, it looks like to this point that he's going to be out for the season. He's on at least the 60-day IL, which would... If he, if he only goes the 60 days, maybe he'd be back for the last week or two of the season, maybe be ready for playoffs. But the, these injuries just keep piling on, and it's these simple plays that we're getting hurt on. We see Eloy get hurt trying to rob a home run in spring training. We see Luis Robert get hurt running to first base. And we see the same thing with Nick Madrigal yesterday. Uh, it's just these small mistakes on these simple plays are costing us huge injury-wise. I know that Robert and Madrigal running uh, to first base, that's not their fault that they got injured, but it's still just so annoying that they're getting hurt on the most routine plays. Eloy was his own fault. What he did was stupid, but it's a simple thing that he could have fixed, not done, and he would still be playing, but 
Uh, what do you guys got on the White Sox right now? Yeah, um, when I saw your text today come through, I was like, this, I, didn't, I didn't even see it last night because I was frustrated with the bullpen, um, and I turned the game off. And then I saw, and then I saw your text this morning. Um, and I was like, you even got hurt last night, and so that was not a good, not a good way to kind of start my day. Um, and it's just, it, it is kind of tough, you know. The White Sox have been so good in spots um, where we've kind of had to fill in. Billy Hamilton, Uri Mercedes, um, Andrew Vaughn. And it, it's just kind of, th- I feel like we're kind of getting to the point where we're thinking how how much can our, how much can we take until we actually break, you know. Um, so it, it, it gets concerning. It does. Um, but I think a positive, because I'm always trying to be positive, I think we all are trying to be, um, especially with how well we're playing. I think our team has really taken all of these injuries this year and taken them with the best stride possible. I mean, look at the way we played without Eloy and Luis already. Um, yes, I'm losing, we're losing more and more pieces, uh, but our team is, is – we're not seeing any disparity throughout this locker room. Uh, we keep on saying resilience. I think that's going to be something huge when all these players are able to come back um, with either it's postseason or next season. Um, it's, I think it's this team's going to be unstoppable um, to the point where we've dealt with almost everything and all these hardships, where this team is going to be someone that you do not want to play any time of the year. So I think it kind of shows that we can deal with anything. Um, and this team is just its just so fun to watch right now. And no matter, Even though we've, we've lost Madrigal, uh, I can't say enough. This team makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, the team does make me happy, except the bullpen. Um, Nick Madrigal, it, it sucks. It, it, he's been playing lights out these past couple weeks, really all season. Um, he's really, like I said, he fits into the role. He knows what he's got to go up there. He knows what he's got to do when he's taken. Uh, he's going up to bat. It's a really bad loss when it happened yesterday. I thought maybe like rolled an ankle. I would never when he the way he just walked off. I didn't think it was his hamstring. Um, That's why I was shocked when I got Brandon Saxo. You're saying it was a torn hamstring. Uh, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to power through like we have with the other injuries. I think PT said it best. You gotta see how long is you know how long before I mean, we're bending. We're bending pretty bad right now. How long till we break? Um, but then again, our team we've lost a lot of a lot of our players. But we still have a lot of really good fucking guys in the pipeline as well as we got right now in the majors. The team's going to go out there and continue to do what we're going to do. And yeah, it sucks. But if we're still winning games, we're still, we still got the lead in central. Got to count your blessings. So that's kind of the way I see the whole situation. Yeah. And uh, following that injury, the White Sox picked up Brian Goodwin. Uh, Goodwin, this is his third team in the last season. So it actually is his fourth team in the last season. So he has been bouncing around quite a bit. Uh, Brian Goodwin, we might remember him most for his time with Washington. Also spent time in Cincinnati, uh, also with the Angels. And recently was released by the Pittsburgh Pirates, not even making their big league club. Uh, We signed him about a week ago. And now he's going to see some time in the majors. So that about does it for the White Sox talk, Pat. What do you got? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I have an idea. I'm going to fuck with your heads right now. So we don't have a second baseman anymore. We have Danny Mendick. Does this open up the opportunity to something we talked about a while ago of Yoan getting shifted to second and we call up Berger who's playing lights out down in AAA? Nope. I, I, you know you know how pissed off I would be if he 
you if we leave, if we move Yon Moncada from third base. I, I agree. I, I agree with PT 100%. Okay, now, does it piss you off? Yeah, it does. But LaRusso's done a lot of shit that pisses a lot of people off. So I, I don't think it's out of the realm. And I agree. We talked about this before. When he played at second, his confidence went down. He wasn't batting well. He's playing lights out right now, offensively and defensively. But it's LaRusso. He kind of, and, and Rick Hahn will be the one guy who, I, does Rick Hahn make the call about bringing people up? Or is that what No. That's Chris Guts that mostly does that. So it's Chris Guts. Uh, Rick Hahn does have somewhat of a say in it, but Chris Guts, Rick Hahn, and Tony Larusa, probably all three of them combined, kind of decide if somebody's being called up or not. So do you think that's out of the realm of possibility? No, definitely not out of the realm of possibility. I, I thought you were asking my opinion. I say no. Is it something that could happen? Definitely. I definitely could see it happening, but it would be something that I would not be a fan of. If that happens, the, the happiness I just talk, talked about <laughs> would be dug 50 feet in the ground. And, oh my, I can't even tell you. It, oh, I don't even want to get into it. I can't it, even also, it. though, saw, saw a tweet today about some decent veteran second basemen yes, that, are, that are available on the trade market. Uh, that would not it, it wouldn't cost us anything really to trade for some of these veteran second basemen. So that that's a possibility as well because I don't see Brian Goodwin working out uh, long term without a second baseman. And then Leary, uh, I guess he's just gonna have to be our second baseman for now. Which he did a lot of that two years ago. So like. Which he did, correct. He did play a yeah, lot of second so, base. Uh, but I also, I just talk about that because I know Berger is playing lights out right now. So yes, yes, yeah, he, he is. Um, but I, can we talk about one more thing too before we finish the White Sox? I, I sent you guys a text the other night, last night, about our bullpen. Um, I used a specific word, and I want to know if you guys, if I went over line with that word. I I, I claim that our bullpen is over. Right? Do you guys think – how do you think our bullpen is, 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 is right now? I, I wouldn't go to the point of overrated only because Liam Hendrick is, is doing very well. Aaron Bummer I could see being put in that category of overrated, especially considering after we just gave him an extension, he has been very rough. Evan Marshall, not really that big of a name, but also has had his struggles, but he's also been very solid at points this year. Yeah, I think Marshall's done a good job. Yeah, I would say more inconsistent from guys that were good last year, that are inconsistent this year. In the, I mean, Foster's been bad. Uh, Ruiz has been, Ruiz has been pleasantly okay. Yeah, I uh, like Ruiz. I think he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, is, he's is been. Kopech on the IL. Co- I, yes, Kopech is. is on the oh. IL uh, after slipping off the mound and getting injured. <laughs> Jesus, can we, what is going on? Yeah, so we've got Billy Hamilton's also on the IL for 10 days or so. So quite a few guys on the injured list, but something that we've been dealing with all year. Hopefully we get all those boys back healthy because we, I mean, we're, we're still doing fine. We're beating the Blue Jays right now, who are one of the best teams in the league as well, like I said earlier. So right now, don't hit the panic button. If we see one more big injury, it's going to be worrisome for the rest of the year. And if another injury does occur, I don't really like the idea of trying to trade for a piece 
But if we are going to trade no matter what, it'll most likely be a multi-year guy and not just a rental for the rest of this year. So hopefully we hold tight, see what happens. But if that's all you guys got for the Sox, we're going to move on to the Northsiders. The good old Cubbies who are tied in first place with the Milwaukee Brewers right now who have been red hot winning eight of their last ten. The big thing that hurt the Cubs was that uh, losing three of four from the Giants, but then turned it around and won two of three from a very good San Diego Padres team. They currently have the night off. They play tomorrow against St. Louis, which will be a big series, uh, not only for the Cubs, but for the Central Division just as a whole. Uh, But the biggest shining light for the Cubs in the last two weeks has been Patrick Wisdom. Patrick Wisdom has been absolutely lights out for this Cubs team, batting 372, having eight homers, 12 RBIs, and also, why not, having a stolen base as well in the last 15 games. Has just been red hot for this Cubs team, really propelling the offense since the pitching has been so good. Uh, besides the starting pitchers, starting rotation is still struggling quite a bit, but the bullpen has just been electric, and Craig Kimbrell, who is tied third in the league with 15 saves, has just been lights out, and it's great to see from this Cubs team. Uh, do you guys, it is now 3-2 to two in the White Sox-Blue Jays game. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. just hit a single. Uh, so yeah, so 3-2, to two, uh, White Sox still in that game, but the Cubs, uh, again, uh, staying solid. Need to pick it up these next couple games, especially after losing three or four to the Giants. What do you guys got on the Cubbies? Cubs, I mean, it's it's getting to the point. So I, also on Redline Radio, it's so funny how much we plug Barstool. We might as well work for Barstool. Um, but on that episode of day two, there was the big discussion if they're going to be sellers or buyers at, at the trade deadline. Um, and everyone was like, they're going to be sellers, they're going to be sellers. And then all of a sudden, they've gone on this streak. Um unbelievable they're playing great baseball right now um and carl said that he believed that they're going to be buyers um but they're car but chief came in and said he knew someone in with position saying that they're going to be sellers they're going to try to ship out kb so i kind of like this whole uh, mysteriousness around what they're going to do on the trade deadline because they're probably going to do more than the Sox, and i will definitely be paying attention to see what the cubs do because they are in a very good spot right now. Like we said, they're tied at first, and they're playing great baseball right now. They have their bullpen that it, literally they probably don't even have $5 million out there, except for Kimbrell, is pitching unreal right now. Um, they're hitting they're, – they're starting to turn it around, okay? Um, so it'll be really interesting, in my opinion, what I'm going to be looking forward to um, as just kind of as a sports fan is to see what the Cubs do at the trade deadline. I think we'll get into that a little bit more when that comes along. Uh, but it's a definitely a big topic in Chicago right now, and if you guys are looking into it, definitely pay attention. They're, they've been uh, – they, like I said, we asked this last time we talked about the Cubs. Nobody expects them to be in this position at this point in the season. Um, they're playing well. Bullpen's doing their job. The offense is starting to light up. KB's actually playing it to what he should be playing as. Um yeah, I mean, they. I, I watched a couple of the games from the Padres series. Um, again, like I was, you know, if any, again, if we're at the beginning of the season, you're like, okay, the Cubs have a three-game set against the Padres. What do you think the outcome is going to be? I don't think a lot of people think this, the Cubs are winning two or three against the Padres. No, so, definitely not. 
they're, they're doing well. And I think the biggest question mark is to see what they're going to do with the trade deadline. Cause I have no idea. Um, I mean, you have to look at the idea. If KB is still playing as hot as he is right now, and the trade deadline goes around, his, his, he, you're going to get a pretty penny for him back in return. So it'll be a good asset for a team making a playoff push. But also, you might make it a playoff push. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. They've been fun to watch, and they're, they're doing their job. Again, at this point in the season, you need to be treading water, and that's exactly what they're doing. Um, and they're in, a, they're in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely in a good spot for right now in the season. Like I said, the series against the Cardinals this weekend is going to be absolutely huge for the Cubs to hopefully extend that lead a little bit. We do have some breaking White Sox news, though, coming across across Twitter about five minutes ago. Rick Hahn talked about Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and their rehab at this point. He says that both of them are almost done with phase one and getting close to clearance for baseball activity, which would mean starting their rehab stints in the minors. He said they're closing in on this stage in the process. So hopefully we see both these guys back on the field in a month. What do you guys think of this news that just broke? Well, I think we were pretty gun haul and kind of Eloy starting to make that phase become a reality. Um, but I had no idea about Luis. I think that's great news. Um, I think we were kind of all on the same page here, though, that we don't want to rush these guys back too quick. Um, though that might change now since Madrigal's hurt. Uh, we, we might want to kind of have Eloy kind of get his stuff going. Um, Robert obviously make sure that everything's good on him because his, his kind of game is so important with speed um, and dealing with leg muscles. We want to make sure that that – um, is 100% uh, healthy. Um, Eloy, if we can get him back in the lineup in DH, I think that would be fantastic. Um, so I think we're a lot close. That's why I'm not so concerned about this. You know, yeah, it sucks to, uh, to lose Nick Madrigal, especially at the spot he's right now. He's, he was considered to be one of our best hitters. Um, so I think it's great news. I, I'm not worried about our White Sox. I think we're in a great spot right now. We're playing great baseball. And just to add those guys back is even more scarier. Yeah, I agree. It, you know, it's good. I mean, obviously, you don't want to have anybody on your team being hurt, but the what position we're in, it's a good problem to have. Um, again, no need to rush them back. Um, you know, we're, what, 60, 70 games in the season. We still got a long way to go. No need to rush them back. Let them do their thing. Let them make sure they're ready to go. Um, and, you know, it, it's good to hear. I think that's a, you know, and when you were on a day you release news about an injury like Nick Magical's, it's good to have some sort of positive information you can kind of lay back to us um, regarding the two big injuries we have in the beginning of the season. So it's good to hear. No need to rush it. You know, it's a good problem to have. We'll see how it all kind of plays out. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, that does it for our professional baseball talk. But now we're going to be passing things on to PT to talk about our college baseball segment. We got some big games this upcoming weekend. Uh, the Super Regionals will be beginning tomorrow or today, actually, in the afternoon. Uh, PT, do you want to break down these Super Regional games? Yeah, 100%. We can kind of go through it real quick. Um, so I think kind of the moral of the story is that there were some, one, great stories. Um, the New Jersey Institute of Technology, uh, I don't know if you guys really kind of followed up on that. That was a school um, that did, I don't even know if they had a home field, I believe, and that this team came out of nowhere, and they had, I think, last year they had a losing season. Um, and they just came out of nowhere, and it, just, you know, it changed their program. 
um, everyone was kind of rooting for them. And it was a great thing to kind of follow on Twitter. Um, that was definitely cool. But my kind of moral of the story, one, is that no one really blew anyone out of the water, except for one team. And we'll get into that team in a little bit. Um, there, there was a lot of – And there just had to uh, – Start lost. over. We lost you. You're good, just like 20 seconds ago. Where, where, like, was I talking about? Like, right after you're like, I would start just before you said, like, there was only one team that got blown out of water. Okay, all right. So there was only one team, I think, that kind of blew everybody out of the water in their regional, and we'll get to them in a little bit. Um but there definitely was teams they had to fight to win their regional. We look at Ole Miss, Arkansas, um, Virginia, Mississippi State, all these teams, Tennessee, all these LSU. Everybody, basically everybody down here had to win their regional because either they came back and beat the team that was 2-0 and in their regional or that they actually lost their game to win the championship and they had to come back and win the team, uh, beat that team to win their regional. So it was, it was, it was very hard fought. Um, it's college baseball for you. Everyone's literally playing their heart out. They have a lot to play for. And this is kind of something that, like, really, I think is really starting to draw a lot of attention um, to college baseball. It shows you just how crazy it is. Um, but I'm going to talk about one team real quick that I actually think that a lot of people should, if, you, if you're into sports betting, take a look at it. I think it has great value. Notre Dame was the one team that kind of dominated the region. They outscored their opponents 50-5. to five. That runs margin is absolutely insane, and you really don't see it at this stage right now. It's college World Series, just kind of specifically in college baseball. Um, they are at plus 1,800 right now to win the World Series. Um, so definitely keep an eye on them if you are into big sports betting and future betting. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that bet. Uh, but, man, Arkansas, they're good. Uh, Vanderbilt, I don't know how they – I kind of said they were kind of overrated. Um, but they kind of handled their region pretty well. Tennessee, uh, let's talk about that real quick. There's two There's two things I want to talk about, and you guys can kind of talk about your things real quick. That walk-off from Tennessee. Electric. Absolutely is, electric. Is why kids play baseball. The, it, this, the situation is you, you literally dream of this as a kid. Bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Uh, I think there was two outs. These are the moments that kids literally dream of. They're in their front yard playing with football. That's what they call out. Nine, nine, five in the ninth, bases loaded, down by three, two outs. And he, I mean, the ball was absolutely demolished. Nuked. Absolutely nuked. Celebration. He deserves every single inch of it. Brandon and I play baseball. We kind of understand that the game's kind of changing. We're, we're watching our White Sox trying to change the game celebrations and having fun with baseball i'm 100 with that kid and that kind of brings on my next topic i believe it was dallas baptist he hit a home run and the ump yelled at him to run around the bags and there's this whole thing kind of going around right now about respecting umps and there's not enough umpires um wanting to do things yeah that's kind of more prevalent in youth baseball right now but when we're trying to make this game fun and when there's so many emotions especially at this level, and there's so much at stake. When you yell at a kid, when he just hit a home run, especially with a 
Dallas Baptist. I've never heard of that school. I don't think you guys have either. And now they are in the Super Regional for the College Baseball World Series. They're gonna. They deserve to celebrate 100. That ump definitely deserves to go sit his ass at home and I'll umpire the rest of these. If, if he has another chance to, he doesn't deserve to. I'm just saying. I'm gonna kind of wrap this up real quick. I'm just. It, it's so fun. College baseball is so crazy to watch. Notre Dame, keep an eye out for them. I think they have a really good chance to be an underdog to win. Arkansas is really good. A lot of great games coming up. You guys, boy, you boys, take over. And Mahone, I know you're ready to talk about it too. Yeah, dude. Notre Dame. Uh, like you said, just absolutely dominant in their regional, uh, scoring 50. Their offense is just absolutely stacked. Got some great players on that team. Pitching was also very good for them. Uh, really just handling that region very well. Uh, but I know, Pat, last week you told us to focus on one regional or one game or whatever it may be that you, as a person that might not watch college baseball should be looking at. And my choice for this for these Super Regionals is Vanderbilt and East Carolina. East Carolina is a very solid team. Uh, they're going to give Vanderbilt a run for their money. Uh, the big powerhouse of Vanderbilt with the little dog East Carolina coming in. Uh, East Carolina's pitching has been lights out. Uh, Vandy, again, mostly known for their pitching, also has some solid offense. Uh, the pitching is going to be a great matchup during this Super Regional. And the offenses are just going to be battling. And I think we're going to see the best pitching performances out of any of these games in the Super Regional. I'd give it to Vandy and East Carolina. Uh, other ones to be looking at, Tennessee, LSU. That's going to be a great one. We saw, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but the Ole Miss coach, uh, his son plays for LSU. Uh and he, he's a very, very good baseball player for LSU, starts for them. And uh, he said that, sadly, he won't be able to make uh, his games against Tennessee because he'll be coaching himself against Arizona. It would be great to see these teams somehow match up in the College World Series. It'll be another great story just added on to these uh, games so far this season. Also, Tim Elko, a guy that we talked about last week uh, during the podcast, Again, has just been proving that he's the man uh, playing with a torn ACL. Hit multiple home runs. Uh, a game also where he hit multiple home runs in itself. Uh, so, yeah, just it's going to be a very exciting season weekend for the Super Regionals and uh, going on to the College World Series. Things are really going to start picking up these next couple weeks. It's going to be fun to watch. Pat, what do you got to say about the uh, Super Regionals? There was one team I told you guys that I was rooting for last week. Do you guys remember what team it was? I do was not. It? East Carolina, right? That was Dallas Baptist because they're a Missouri Valley team. I've seen them just because they're on the same conference as ISU. Um, and, I mean, hey, I don't know jack shit. I just picked a random team, and they're here. Um, so I'm going to keep riding on the bandwagon there with Dallas Baptist. It's fun to see. I did watch a little bit of the games. Um, I've had it up on our second monitor. The, I mean, just the electricity, the electricity for, like, the Arkansas game um, or the, the walk-off grand slam. Like, you look at that crowd, and there's probably enough seating for 3,000 people let's ballpark it at, and there's well over double that maybe. And it's, it's just electric. The shit talk is real. Um, those guys, like, again, that, that walk-up grand slam, 
It's like you're, you're a little kid in your backyard and you're visioning yourself doing that stuff. Uh, it's, it's really surreal. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm definitely going to try to sit down and watch some games this weekend and kind of relax and see what's up. But I'm excited for it. I, I've always heard so many great things about Omaha and when the actual College World Series gets underway. And I'm excited. I got, you know, it's it's it has the intensity. It has the shit talk that I'm looking for. And I'm all about it. And I'm going to keep pulling for some Missouri Valley rep and kind of gas up my my conference here. Um, hopefully it plays out. But um, so far from what I've watched and seen on Twitter, I feel like Twitter, too, like, I've never seen like so like Twitter get so hyped around even like the the women's softball. I feel like everybody's tweeting about college college baseball and college softball right now. People are it's, it's the number one topic on Twitter. I feel like so it's been cool to see. I, I clearly and I assume there's a lot of people too. Like I don't know jack shit about college baseball, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And the, you know you're getting the publicity um, that you're getting from Barstool and ESPN. It's growing the brand, and it's making more and more people tune in. It's a lot of fun to watch. I'm excited to kind of tune in this weekend. Yeah, and I'm actually going to give a little bit of a shout-out to the NCAA here. They don't deserve quite a lot of shout-outs, but this one I will shout them out for. The scheduling has been perfect, uh, having the college softball World Series finishing very near to the college baseball World Series. The softball World Series, you get a little sniff of it, then it starts picking up, and you're watching the World Series championships, and it's it's just awesome energy. Uh, college softball gets very rowdy. It's awesome to see, and then you get the Super Regionals this weekend for college baseball, and then the College World Series. Uh, it's it's just a great publicity for these kids getting put on ESPN uh, for something that they might never have had the chance to do. Now doing it playing so well going into the Super Regionals. But great to see. It's going to be another jam-packed weekend of baseball professionally and college baseball-wise. Uh, very excited to keep in tune with that. NHL playoffs is also still going on. NBA playoffs, all the good stuff. This is the best time of the year to be watching these sports. Uh, getting some football news as well. Awesome to get the NFL wrapped in with all these sports as well. But if you boys don't have anything else, That wraps it up for this episode of the CloudGate Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Also, we'll be bringing Twitch to you very soon. Uh, It's going to be a very fun page to be paying attention to. Also, to make sure to listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasting needs. Again, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace out. Jackson Bank looks up, you can put it on the board, yeah! Taves center for Kane, he scores! Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Taves! The dynamic duo comes through in overtime! Hawks win! Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away! to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the end.